How do you build a community to grow your startup? How do you link your passion, vision for doing good with growing a business? This is a question that many founders ask themselves. Well, you in luck today because we've got Patrick Wang from Midfreeds, and this is a question that they are answering and would love to share their insights with you today. Patrick is one of the Tech Round UK BM. BAME 50 under 50 in uh, 2021, and he has over 16 years of experience in marketing, strategy, and operation as a former management consultant for IBM. And in fact, he's also done quite a lot, especially when it comes to taking on leadership roles with early stage startups. So that's quite a lot of knowledge, and I'm really excited about bringing all of this and having this conversation with Patrick live with you today. Welcome to the Mary Poppins of Startups Live Show. I'm Naili Makangu, your host for, for today from Athena Leaders, an organization that is passionate about helping startups dream, build, play, whilst leaving behind the legacy of a happy and productive workplace playground. For anyone new to the show, here's a reminder of three rules. The first one, as much as I enjoy having the conversation with Patrick, Please don't be left out. If you have any questions, any thoughts that's coming into your mind, do send us your comments. We will answer them live or we will chase you afterwards and to share with you anything else that you want to find out about what we are discussing today. Secondly, if you know any amazing startup fund founder out there, regardless of the stages where they are at, or anyone within the startups ecosystem that would like to come and share their knowledge for, to help us grow, then please get them to reach out to me. Number three, the most important one, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Patrick, I'm really excited to talk to you about Meet Freeds. And of course, if you remember correctly, when we started discussing, my main question was like, Ooh, should I completely give up on Meet to enjoy what you are bringing out there with Meet Freeds? Yes, hi, Nelly. Um, thank you for that. Uh, we are focused in design um, in a way to be inclusive of everyone. Um, anyone who is just starting or curious to start on a plant-based journey to people who are um, vegans or you know have been vegans or vegetarians for many years. Right? So um, you know that uh, that focus was intentional. We recognize that the vast the vast majority of the world um, you know still still eat meat. Um, I think the the last stat I saw was about eighty six to to ninety to ninety percent. Um, of people in the world, you know, still still consume meat in in, in some way. Um, so we kind of recognize that that fact. We we know that if we wanted to make a a real impact, um, then then we needed to to focus on people then who who still eat meat. Yeah, I I agree, and I think this is one of the things I also like about um, meat free when I was researching it for for the show is that as you said before, there's a lot of emphasis that goes from one extreme to the other, yet when it comes to the journey, it feels a little bit cloudy in terms of uh, getting there. So how how is Midfreed helping people on their transition journey to a state where they're eating less meat or not eating meat at all? Sure. Um, so our, our, our vision is really to uh, kind of like bring everyone on board uh, to, to this plant-based journey. 
Um, we are targeting though uh, the 16 to to, to 24s. Um, so we have, we have also kind of like intentionally focused um, on this age group uh, because we recognize that that uh, people within this age group, if they were to start uh, on their plant-based journey and to adopt more plant-based um, in, the, in their diet, then the impact um, on the environment, on their uh, like individual health, on animal welfare rights, that can then last not only for their lifetimes, but also their families and their peers and so on. Right. Um, so to kind of uh, going back to to your question now, in terms of you know what what we're doing to kind of encourage that. Um, so then for for this uh, group in particular, they have kind of like two main challenges that that we have heard um, when when speaking to to our members. So the first one is that there's no, so for someone who currently eat meat, currently eats meat, um, but when it wants to reduce their meat consumption, they they have kind of like very limited to almost like no options to associate themselves with something uh, that is uh, not very kind of like hardcore vegan and has that kind of uh, very strong messaging. Um, or just there are kind of like basically brands and uh, like companies uh, that have their own uh, like social media accounts that that people could join, right? But it is nothing kind of like in between, right? Um, and then the other uh, challenge is that sixty-two to twenty-four is you know they're at that that stage where um, they're they're defining their own voice, right? They're they're defining you know what they believe in, um, what they value. And they want to share that, but given that they're usually still so students, um, you know, it's it's quite hard for them to uh, really kind of like amplify their own influence and and their own voice, right? Um, so kind of going back to to the first point, how we are addressing that is by um, basically having meat freed as a a movement, and I'm using the the word movement because that's also what people have been sharing with us. Um, that you know that it's something that people can come like, attach to themselves, can associate um, you know their their aspiration to want to eat less meat because they recognize the impact that 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 meat has. Um, you know, but they either don't want to be vegan now or uh, they don't know enough, right? So then they are just kind of starting on that journey, and then they want to you know associate themselves um, with with something that aligns with their values, and of course then connect with with others like them, right? So that's kind of addressing the the second challenge um, for for people in in this age group, where uh, we basically kind of co-create ways for them to connect with others like them, um, that would then serve as a way to kind of amplify their voice and their influence. I love that it's the emphasis on movement. And as you said, it's kind of a movement that's very inclusive, regardless of where you are on your journey. Now, another thing that you just said as well is about this co-creating this, this movement, this community. So how did you start? You know, obviously, once you already had the idea of uh, mid-free, what you were going to do, but then how do you go from that to really starting to go into the community and co-creating the community with um, the, the target market that you have identified? Right. Yeah. So uh, we are fortunate in that um, Meet Freed was kind of a born out of Launchpad. So Launchpad mm -hmm. is a venture studio program uh, based out of Falmouth Uni um, here in Cornwall. 
Um, so because of our association um, with the uni, we were then able to basically you know, have direct access to our kind of future um, members and, and users. Uh, so we really just went out there and spoke to them. Um, you know, initially it was kind of like these, uh, what, what, what we call, I guess, like guerrilla marketing tactics uh, to, um, you know, we, we had this like spinner wheel where people can like spin the wheel and then they can win plant-based uh, food or snacks or like vouchers, right? Um, so that's how we first started. Um, and that was really just a way for us to just start a conversation, right? To, you know, we initially we, we kind of establish a small focus group, basically, um, just to kind of confirm that, uh, that that people within this age group, you know, had this like sentiment. Um, and then when we kind of got that initial validation that we now started to engage with with more students. Um, and, you know, we were, we were using this like spinner wheel as just a, a way to now start a conversation because people would see the spinner wheel, they would want to, you know, spin it <laughs> basically. Uh, and then as they do that, then they, you know, register for Meat Freed. Um, and then, you know, at, at the point, it's just a conversation, right? To just like yeah. understand, you know, where they are um, in their plant-based journey. Um, you know, what options have they considered uh, to associate themselves with? Um, and, you know, we, we had probably like nine, a 90% conversion of everyone who came up or who approached us to actually like register. Um, so, you know, so I think that, that, that really demonstrated the, the like initial interest uh, for Meat Free. Yeah. Wow, 90% conversion, that's pretty high. <laughs> and and uh, again, one of the things that I quite like was uh, what you the spinning the wheel technique. In fact, this is one of the things that a lot of people, a lot of startups out there, especially those who are really early stage and try to understand a bit more their market, going through the product discovery stage, they struggle to come up with very simple ideas like spin the wheels. If you already have identified your, your customer, and especially if it's an area where you can have lots of them in mass, then what can you do that is sounds very simple, but yet very effective, as you can see, to kind of get their interest to come and speak to you. So I'm going to keep the spin, spin the wheel in mind for all of my tricks whenever I do uh, product discovery or customer discovery for, for clients. One thing, again, this is just... Um, curiosity really whenever people talk about building a community a lot of people associate that with having a facebook group or a whatsapp group and things like that is yeah. this something that you've also thought about or is it something that is part of uh, in the back of your mind or maybe something that you've discarded completely yeah so um i guess our our model for for meat freed um will essentially become a, a new way for uh, businesses, um, brands, and, and so on to engage uh, with our membership. Um, so something that is, uh, you know, much more local. Um, not not necessarily that that we are only focused on on like local, but in terms of uh, how people in general and how sixteen to twenty four uh, year olds kind of want to relate. Right. So they. They have their daily life, their real life that 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 they live and like everyone lives. Um, they may have a favorite band that's playing in Manchester or in Berlin, and that's great. And that's part of their kind of like 
digital life, perhaps, uh, but in their real life, you know, they're they're finding they're they're trying to find ways to to like connect, right? Um, so I guess I'm I'm saying all this because I guess our digital marketing strategy exists in terms of we we still use uh, the traditional kind of like social media uh, channels, um, but how we're kind of like tracking and engaging our our members is by doing things that are uh, in their real life. Um, so as an example, uh, we have kind of teamed up with the sustainability department at Falmouth Uni. Uh, there is a film screening uh, going on. It's um, this like plant-based uh, documentary that we are supporting and promoting. Um, so that's something that people can kind of register, attend in person, you know, meet others like them in person, uh, and kind of like have that you know actual conversation that you can't really have when when you're um, you know just on, on on social. So you're taking the hybrid approach and bringing it to the way the midfield community is going to not just learn from an individual but also grow and connect with others. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that this is also about um, I guess how you would perhaps like truly define a community, right? So, mm -hmm. and, or let's say that one, one metric or one, one way that would define a community is around engagement, right? So there are different ways yeah. then to, to, to measure engagement and engagement doesn't have to be in person, right? So there are mm -hmm. like digital communities uh, that, 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 that still engage with each other, uh, but there's nothing really that will, replace like in-person engagement, right? Um, yeah. And I guess like for us, uh, because our our entire, uh, I guess like business is basically kind of like around food, there's only so much that you, you can engage with food until you can really engage it and then actually eat it, right? Because you yes. can't- it's all about you eating. Can't, you, you can't eat food <laughs> where you like see it on Instagram. I mean, it's great and it, it like looks great, but you know, your, your experience with it only go or gets you so far. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so then when we kind of like think about engagement, right? So engagement is uh, can be kind of measured uh, when, when you connect with people in real life. Uh, and, and that's what we're trying to yeah. uh, focus on. Yeah. You mentioned partners there and other businesses that are also part of the community or that will be supporting the community. How have you found the experience of engaging with the businesses to join the movement? Yeah, um, you know, businesses are, or so I guess the, uh, the, the, the two main segments of, of businesses that, that we engage with um, are local, uh, like local businesses, uh, for now kind of like focusing on restaurants because they are the ones that, that provide meals um, to, to customers. Um, and then the, the second are kind of like food manufacturers or um, you know, basically companies that provide uh, plant-based ingredients, right? Um, so for the local restaurants and that that kind of business segment, um, we have found them to be quite quite engaging. Um, I mean, there's kind of two two things. There, there's either uh, you know their own association with uh, plant-based, whether they are you know vegetarian or or uh, vegan, um, and also it's a it's a very um, it's like a commercial opportunity. Um, for them, right? They they also see that, um, or let's let's say like like this: uh, the vast majority of of um, our business partners 
our restaurants. A lot of them have kind of joined um, in our kind of meat free uh, partner network. And most of them have, have done, done that because consumers want more plant-based options, right? Um, so we're not, you know, coming down, coming at them with a message that, that doesn't really resonate with them. You know, they, you know, they, they believe it because they, they know that it is good for the environment and, and health and, and so on. Um, but then they also know that customers have been wanting it. So then they, they need to put it on, on their menu. And then now they also kind of see us as a way to, to showcase them. Right. So, you know, I guess this, this also applies also for the, um, the plant-based brands um, who are kind of like challenging the $1 trillion global meat market, um, yeah. which is you know huge. Uh, and they are, you know, trying to kind of get, you know, get at them by, you know, providing something that is, uh, you know, just as tasty, um, but healthier and better for, for the environment. Yeah, that's, that's true. And in fact, just uh, now that we're talking about food, not that I'm hungry, but, you know, I'm already thinking about, hmm, am I going to have a plant-based lunch or not? Yeah. Is there any, any advice that you will give to a busy entrepreneur such as myself that only has about 15 minutes that, that and needs to grab something to eat? One of the things I see a lot in supermarkets is the lack of ready-to-go meals or sandwiches that taste good, as you've mentioned, that has a really good flavor, that's interesting to eat, but also plant-based. Yeah, and so that's that's actually the the uh, the challenge, I guess, that we're trying to, to address um, by, I guess, you know, us as a way to showcase the options that are that are out there, um, and and this is also something that is like quite 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 local, right? Um, mm. You know, wherever you are or wherever anyone is, you know, you you would only travel so far for for lunch, right? Either you would walk somewhere, um, or even if you were to go on one of the the uh, the uh, different apps out there, right? The the only options are are the ones that are kind of like close to you, right? Um, and there are very likely a lot of, of like different options. So I guess you know our, our our aim and our objective is to highlight the ones that that have plant based, um, so that you can you know choose choose the choose a plant based option um, if you want, and hopefully kind of encourage you to do that by giving you discounts and, and so on. Yeah. yeah. So I guess I don't know where where you are specifically, but uh, <laughs> you know it, there are yeah. I I think it's also. Um, the the education piece right which which yeah. which is part of, uh, of our app where we're not only you know telling um our, our members that hey you know there's these restaurants that, that are near you that have plant-based options uh, but also kind of you know giving them resources around you know different recipes or or different sauces or uh like different ingredients that can be used mm -hmm. in different ways um and also just you know kind of sharing about the the various benefits of choosing plant-based, whether again for the for the environment, for your health, or because you want uh, to support animal welfare, right? So whatever reason. Yes, it reminds me of my own personal journey trying to reduce meat consumption. I mean, back in the days, I was a hundred percent carnivore. I, my plate will be ninety-five percent meat, and the five percent. If I have to, maybe potatoes <laughs> or any vegetable. Yeah, yeah, and it used to be, oh, yes, one of the jokes with my friend that comes to my house, open the fridge and says, 
wow, the vegetables. And of course, I have been slowly introducing more vegetables in my life. And once I decided to do to be vegan for a complete month, and that was one of the hardest months of my life. That was, I think, five years ago, and I completely gave up. But one thing that I see today for anyone wanting to transition is a little bit easier. But there's still this gap, you know, as you're talking about this movement or the education piece where we can go and quickly find out what is the easiest thing that you need to do. Of course, preparation, you know, preparation, knowing what you're going to eat. But I think there's just a, a gap there that um, hopefully, well, I know that Midfried will really help us for anyone transitioning, whether it is for personal reason, health reason, or, or the likes. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's, 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 it's kind of going back to uh, the community aspect, right? So mm -hmm. when, when thinking about behavior change and behavior change, whether you, you, you think about it like um, something to do with like psychology, yeah. Behavior change is what I, I imagine that almost all startups are trying to do, right? You're mm -hmm. you're trying to change the behavior of your user, of your customer, or or uh, both, right? And and one kind of like facet or like tenet to changing behavior is around uh, basically kind of getting others around you to 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 support you, right? And, and I think that's again, you know, what what we're focusing on on, on trying to build. Yeah, definitely. And I can see myself getting on the, on the app and challenging my sister to see who will yeah. reduce the meat consumption faster. And then, yeah, and we have, you know, for, for us, it's basically either that the people want to compete yeah. with others or they want to like collaborate and support, which is, yeah. you know, or, or maybe both, right? So I feel like some people, you know, are, are more competitive, some people are more like collaborative in different aspects, right? So, you know, we, we're here to kind of offer different ways uh, yeah. kind of campaigns um, to just get people on that journey and then to stay on that plant-based journey. <laughs> Definitely. And Steve, so looking back again, in, when we really focus again on this idea of uh, building a community, based on your experience now, and if you can go back to some of the painful moments when you first started engaging with, especially partners, what were some of the struggles or the challenges that you had to overcome to bring some of the partners to join uh, the movement? Yeah, yeah. So we, we actually had to go through um, a a pretty major pivot uh, at the beginning of, of our like exploration of this idea. Um, so our initial uh, like event or like uh, experiment, let's say, um, was focusing on a like local chef and engaging with um, people in the area with a like plant-based dish, right? Um, so from that, we we, we kind of had, had an assumption that perhaps we can kind of like work then with more local chefs. Um, so then we, we then kind of went out and tried to engage with, with more chefs. Uh, we, we had people responding to us and, you know, we met with people, they were kind of very excited. Um, but then after you know, talking with them and, you know, trying to, to figure out if, if there is a solution that we can offer to like local local chefs. We also recognize that, um, you know, most local chefs are kind of these like small family owned or single owner uh, restaurants or like businesses where that single owner uh, is, is usually also the, the chef um, is quite busy with just the operational details of running a business, you know, you have like suppliers, you have to deal with customers, you have to actually then make the actual dish, right? You have to like plan all that, you know, plan all that. And, and 
it is it is hard and it's like time consuming, right? And um, especially when we were sp speaking with uh, chefs last summer, that was you know during COVID. Um, again, you know, I mentioned that that we are based in Cornwall last year. For Cornwall, that was probably like one of the busiest times for Cornwall ever. So then, you know, they were busy with with that. People or their staff were then, you know, calling us sick because of COVID. Um, I had or just like this one chef that I was speaking to where uh, I think almost everyone got COVID at some point during the the summer, right? So so basically, you know, like that 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 helped us to to realize that. We, we still want to somehow support uh, the local restaurants, um, but then we're trying to find different ways. So then that's how we actually came up with, with this idea um, that, that we have now, where we're, we're still supporting restaurants, uh, but in a way, in, in let's say the, the first way is this very low, low barrier to entry for them to participate where all they need to do is just to commit to offering a discount if our me free members was to show a virtual membership card, right? So getting them or, you know, that, that was um, our experiment or our assumption. And then we then went back to those same uh, restaurant owners. You know, we said, hey, you know, if, or we know that you're busy, we, we know that we were talking to you about all these other opportunities to, to support you. But if you were to do this, would you be, would you be able to, to do it, right? And because I guess our, our value prop then became much simpler for them. Um, you know, th th that's how we have uh, about 40 partner restaurants with us now. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's in the Cornwall area, right? Uh, Cornwall and Devon too. Devon and Devon, yeah. So, um, I mean, just thinking about my next holiday, I think I know where I'm going. <laughs> so... uh, yeah, yeah. Plus, it, it is nice here during the, the summer. Yeah. Yeah, it's the yeah. So another thing, one thing that you 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 pointed out, which I like to even you know amplify a lot more, especially for many startups out there. There's this understanding that this is my business, this is the thought that I want, and I will stay there. Whereas at the very beginning of your company and throughout, you need to be open to pivoting and really getting as close as possible to what your customers or users are going to be, as um, Patrick just mentioned, is by running those experiments that you've identified, right? What, what proposition will work better for them, get them to be engaged in the movement, to be part of growing or co-creating the community without them having to think about one more thing that I have to do. And, uh, and I quite like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's probably then uh, the the separation between an idea and mm -hmm. an actual solution, right? So a lot of people have ideas, um, yes, and ideas are great, but ideas are not necessarily a solution to a problem that someone will use that solution or someone will pay for for for, for that solution, right? So it's like less about you know kind of being married to or or being attached to to your idea. Um, or even the the solution until a, a point at which you have enough people that are using it and hopefully them paying for it or some other customer paying for that. Yeah. What value do you bring through your solution for the idea? Yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> why are you doing it? Yeah, exactly. 
So we, so far for anyone who's just come on board, we've really looked at uh, Midfred, what is Midfred and the, the, the vision behind the product that they're creating. We looked at co-creating a community or a movement through your startup and uh, some of the state, the different stages and how Patrick has successfully done it, not just from the point of view of the users, the target market, which is the 16 to 24 year old that would like to transition to a meat-free diet, but also from the point of view of the businesses and the partners. As you've heard, Patrick already has 40, which is amazing. And this is only the beginning. It's only in Devon and Cornwall. And pretty soon I'm counting the days until it's going to get to Cambridge. So that's going to be very, very exciting. Now let's look at the when we start moving just from the, the, the users and the partners and look, let's look at the investors. And of course, as I said before, if anyone has a question or has a thought, please do put them in the comments and we will continue the discussion with Patrick. So when we look at the investments and um, just going for funding and working on the the kind of the business aspects of growing the startups, there's a lot of discussions out there on forums, on Reddit and others where people who are planning a proposition such as yourself that that's good in the world, especially when we start looking at the sustainable goals, some of the startups really... Um, I mean, they, they get negative feedback because the world is so, the startup world is so much about profits and unicorns and things like that. Is this something that's worried you or is worrying you as well? Yeah, so I guess personally, I'm not worried about it. Um, I, I think it's about understanding what you want to do. You know, what impact do you, do you want to make? Um, and I think that, that would kind of drive you as to, you know, whether you, you know, have a, a vision that not only has an impact or a positive impact um, you know, on the world or on, on, on people, um, but also has the commercial opportunity to, right. Yeah. Mm. So it's about marrying the impact and the, co uh, the, commercial potentials and how did you do that or how are you doing that yeah um so i think the 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 first um i don't know like approach or like perspective that, that we have is i think especially for startups who 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 want to have this like positive uh, impact is to separate the challenge um that you're trying to address from users or customers for example, our or the kind of global challenge that we are that we are trying to to address with Meat Free um, is around uh, meat consumption and the impact on the environment. Right. So meat production currently takes up uh, about 60 percent of all greenhouse gases, and that is a huge problem for everyone in the world. But that's not a specific problem for a specific user or a specific customer, right? Mm -hmm. um, so there are many ways that you can kind of go about uh, addressing this like huge, you know, global like global challenge. Um, so then it's about kind of taking that or to to first like understand that yes, you have this like global challenge that that you're trying to to address, right? Um, but then when it comes to at least a commercial business. 
someone will eventually need to pay for something, right? <laughs> so then it's about <laughs> figuring out, uh, well, because otherwise you are a nonprofit, which is which is fine, mm -hmm. right? So there are nonprofits that that um, that are trying to address uh, this global challenge. Uh, you know, their aim is not to generate profit, and that's fine, right? So there are many ways to kind of go about addressing uh, that global challenge and any challenge um, mm -hmm. in the world. Uh, but when it comes to then a, a commercial entity is to, again, think about um, customers or kind of users and, and, and customers in, in, in our case. And then now that's a what I would kind of consider a very standard way of thinking about you have customers or users who have a pain or a need or an aspiration or something that is not met fully. And then how can your solution meet that? Right. So I think that is how, I guess, we have... Um, kind of like reconcile, you know, this like huge challenge that that we want to help solve um, in whatever way that 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 we can, but then also recognize that you know as a as a business we will need uh, revenue, basically cash, in order to continue to help us to achieve that vision. And I like the clarity uh, in in your answer here. I guess it's something that I've also heard all the way through our chats today. It's really important to be clear on the different users or the players that are part of the community. And as you said, we how do we reach the revenue whilst at the same time satisfying the needs of every single user on the journey and doing something good for the world? Yes. Yeah. I see a lot of startups that start with an idea that's good for the world, but they slowly move into the nonprofits. As you said, it's, there's nothing wrong with that, but it all depends on your business model from the beginning and your journey and where you would like to go. So being very clear on, on that will, will be really, really good, which is another reason why when I, I met you and I thought, okay, this is really something that I would like to put out there, have a discussion. And every time I bump into a startup that I'm advising and they are in this world of wanting to do good and they are in between, I'm like, well, you know, I'll just speak to Patrick. <laughs> he, will, <laughs> he will sort you out or just watch the video. Yeah. And don't yeah, again, I, I mean, you know, that, that like perspective still actually mm -hmm. relates um, to a nonprofit, right? Because if you are a yes. nonprofit, you know, in, in, in that case, you you have customers, but the, mm. the customers are probably like grant grant funders, right? Who have the funds that would then fund your operating expenses in order to continue with your nonprofit uh, vision, right? So either way, right? Like you still need mm -hmm. to, to understand, right? Like who your who your customer persona is, or in this case, mm -hmm. a a like grant funder persona, I guess, um, you know, what is their profile? You know, what do they need? Um, you know, what is like lacking? And then how, how do you then kind of align with that? So I feel like, you know, uh, I mean, to be fair, I, I have not run a, a nonprofit, but I've, I have like volunteered with enough to to recognize that, you know, they, they have like beneficiaries that they support in some way, uh, but they still need you know, to get funding somehow. And, and then there's still that like way of, of thinking about how do you communicate uh, yourself to a potential grant funder, or in our case, to a potential customer. Yeah, and I, I, I am passionate about nonprofit. Is again, I also have an extensive experience volunteering, 
and some of the very good nonprofit organizations that I volunteered for, that I've run, one of the things that um, was outstanding was how they managed to meet the needs of the, 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 the businesses that they were working with to get some funding, the volunteers, and also the organization as a whole. So going back to what you just said, it's really about understanding the personas, their yeah. needs, and you know that's the 101 of building any type of business. Yes. Now talking about building businesses in general, you've um, when we were talking earlier, you've mentioned that you your own personal journey uh, goes way beyond meat threads, obviously, and that you've been you've been involved in many early stage startups. So can you share with us a little bit of your experience, what you've seen there uh, and what led you to go from that said, I want to start on my own? Yeah, sure. Um, yes, I, so I started my career um, as a management consultant for IBM uh, back in the States where, where I'm from. Um, and so like that work was kind of like supporting uh, large corporates to improve their, their customer experiences. Um, I, I, I realized that I wanted to have a bigger impact. Um, so then that's why I uh, then kind of focused on, on startups. Uh, I did my MBA. After that, I uh, worked for a FinTech startup, um, basically kind of providing uh, alternative financing options for small and medium businesses. Um, I kind of progressed to the COO um, of that startup and kind of just managing all the the, the operations and supporting the CEO um, in defining the deal strategy. Um, the startup had to shut down in late 2018. So then at that point, you know, I still wanted to uh, support a startup. So um, then I kind of went out and, you know, tried to find find other founders to, to work with. Um, so I, I think from like 2018 to about 2021, I have I haven't counted, but I, I, I would imagine that I probably worked with like 10, 10 or more uh, startups, um, either uh, directly with the founder or you know, as part of the, the leadership team. Um, so I think one of the, or let's say that there are many challenges, I guess, with, um, with creating and building a, a startup. Um, I think one of them, um, especially with the startup founders that, start, startup founders that I was working with, that had just a concept. Um, so they were trying to be, you know, bring a concept to market. One of the very common challenges is actually what, what we had talked about um, before, where people have this idea and they're like really in love with this idea. And some of them uh, kind of like hold it kind of, you know, near and dear to their heart. They kind of treat it like a baby um, where it's like, you know, you know, no one can say anything bad about this, this idea. Right, um, and that that is a very, um, I guess, like unfortunate way of uh, you know trying to build a, a a business, you know, build build an actual model that will um, kind of help that help that idea grow. Right, if there's no feedback that um, that is taken for that idea, then it just because it just either stays that way as a as an idea, um, or if you were to share it, uh, or like usually what has has happened is that you know this startup founder has has this idea they then spend a lot of their time their resources they may be able to get other people uh, on board to help build this idea but everything is still kind of like in this silo of their own world you know th their own bubble of trying to build a solution you know like like getting it uh to fit this like vision of, of theirs 
uh, without ever speaking to the potential uh, users or customers or or both, right? So I've been in way too many that I care to to count and to recall um, of of that, right? So I think that's that's one common thing, or common common challenge that, uh, that I see. Um, and then the the other part, uh, or I guess the the other challenge for like startup founders is kind of like building the the right team as well, right? So mm-hmm. I guess like building a product that no one wants is I think one of, or if not the main challenge or uh, reasons why why stars fail. And then the, the second is I believe around team, right? So it's like kind of understanding like who, you, who do you need at what time, um, you know, how do you relate to any new people or, you know, whoever it is um, like on that team. And then will that team uh, kind of be be your own like internal community to support you um, in you know reaching this this vision, right? So there have been again you know a a lot of stories around um, not choosing the the right team uh, members at at the right time, um, you know not having that that support, um, and for for startup founders is 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 also usually where um, again. It, it's partly a, a, a combination of like w- believing that that their solution is like the the next big thing, um, and then not wanting any any feedback from that. Right. So I think you know my experiences with founders that have kind of fallen fallen into those two types of like buckets um, basically led me to just wonder if I could maybe do it better. Um, you know, treat my team better, <laughs> uh, build a solution uh, that's kind of like you know more aligned to lean startup, you know, think about um, the, the, the process or kind of being, um, let's say like in love with the process and not in love with uh, my solution. Um, and by focusing on the process, by, you know, defining what is the quickest way that I can validate or invalidate uh, my, my assumption, you know, that is what I was trying to instill with many of, of the, of the founders, um, and I realized that you know people weren't hearing me. Maybe I could try that myself, and so this is how it all came about. Oh, that's that's so exciting, and I love the just several the two key points. One was really about well, it's your baby, but at the same time, it needs to grow on its own. Yeah. <laughs> so be open for feedback. And the second one was on the team. Yesterday, I was having a coffee with um, a startup founder called Elena from Metaspace and actually interviewed her live. And it was the first time that we had a real physical copy. It was interesting. Yes, finally. um, Maybe one day, (laughs) definitely in London, we'll also grab one. That's for sure. But one of the things that resonated with me as she was talking about the journey of the startups where they are now, especially when it comes to the team, was exactly what you've said. First, in a who do you need, especially at the early stages, you are building and validating the, the idea. And secondly, how do you structure yourself and how is your internal community changing as you're bringing more people? I think that there's a lot of um, teams out there that really under underestimate the importance of having a clear onboarding onboarding process, however simple it is, even if you're adding one or two members of your team as you're growing. Imagine two or three people have been working on the product for three months, the newbie turn up. How do they feel part of the discussion, the inside jokes and everything? 
And as you can say, that can make or break the dynamic and the flow of the, the company as it grows, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I hope you have ideas on the, I mean, you've been burned whilst working in other startups. So I'm sure you have ideas on how to do it a bit differently. Yeah. And, and again, you know, I'm, I, I'm not saying that I have uh, kind of been perfect in, in this journey. Mm -hmm. uh, I think what I would want to continue doing is just to be uh, kind of open and honest with myself around, you know, what, what gaps um, do I need to, to address? Um, and then to be kind of like open and honest with, with any new team member that we bring on board, right? You know, uh, for example, you know, we, we have brought on board uh, new team members where, uh, you know, there's no process in place. There's, you know, we're kind of like building processes or maybe not, or I feel like process is a very strong word. Like we were building some method of working uh, that is still very loose, right? Like we're still like yeah. defining, we're still trying to like figure it out. Um, but, but it's more that that I I want to be open and, and honest with my team in general, uh, any new new team members. And I feel like that is something that is hopefully like resonates more than like trying to impose something that I think I have the best solution, right? Where, you know, usually for a, a startup team, you know, at, at this early stage, you are or should be bringing in people that are better than you at something, right? Yeah. Um, and then it's about recognizing that, I think first being honest with you, with yourself, as a, that, that you don't have this skill or this expertise or, or, or something. So that's why you need someone to, to help you with that. Um, and then when you bring on board that that person, you know, to treat them with the respect of, hey, you know, I I may be an expert in something, but I'm bringing you on, bring you on because you are an expert in in X. Um, so let's work together, you know, as a as, as a as a proper team. Yeah, yeah, and that, and having the humility to actually accept that as a founder as well is is actually beautiful to see in yourself. Yeah. And in fact, for anyone who's currently watching, thinking about. How do you create that experience, especially as a startup running at 100 miles an hour or so, but it's still yet an important part of looking after your internal community as you are also focused on the external community. I would suggest that you watch the episodes with Darcy Balls on building the employee experience. A lot of the things that um, Patrick has mentioned today are things that Darcy also she went into a lot of details on building employee experience from the moment before they even join your company, whilst they're in your company, and when they're leaving. So I think it's one of the key ingredients to, well, creating the best community that you can as a motivated employee, creating a workplace playground, will lead to you working into building a bigger external community. Right, yeah, exactly. So Patrick, thanks very much for today. We're coming to the end of the session and I'd like to ask you to summarize your startup journey with Midfried in one word, if possible. What would you say? I would say uh, exciting. Yeah. That's nice. <laughs> exciting. Why exciting? Yeah. Um, well, for, 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 I think for myself, because um, you know, as I shared that I have, I have, I have been working with many, many startup founders, um, kind of like, you know, in, in a role that supports others. And 
and it was because of those experiences that I wanted to try myself, but because I have never tr tried it myself, I was, uh, you know, unsure about it. And I feel like, you know, coming into this experience, um, you know, understanding how Lean Startup could could actually work and, and could actually help, uh, you know, following that method, uh, you know, think about things as, as experiments, wanting to like validate, um, and, and for us, at least, you know, being able to, you know, receive positive, uh, like validation from our members, from our like partner businesses. Um, and, you know, that's kind of like gaining traction by itself almost, uh, you know, that, that is very exciting just to kind of see something built out of, out of nothing, I guess. <laughs> yes. It's like giving birth to an idea <laughs> whilst at the same time, letting it grow. Right. <laughs> right. So for any of our, our uh, followers that are really interested, not just about you know, following you and your story, but to follow Midfried and to join the movement, how can they do that? Yeah, yeah. so they can just go um, on our website, uh, meetfried.com, meetfried with, with a, a D, uh, .com. Uh, there should be like a register button on the, on the far right. Um, so right now the... The incentives uh, that we offer are kind of like based in Cornwall and, and Devon. Uh, but if you were to, to register, you know, then then that's also an indication for us to, you know, maybe we should go to wherever, wherever you are uh, in whatever city. Brilliant. So you've heard it from Patrick himself. Do join and sign up to meet Fred. And before you know it, you, the, the movement will start where you are. And if not, I'm sure Midfried is sharing a lot of content out there that will help you transition on your journey until they eventually land in your town. So I will definitely say just watch out for that. Thanks, Patrick and the team at Midfried for being so um, passionate about what you're doing for the, to help our community. And again, for all of the great advice that you've shared in terms of building a community, not just for the users, but also for businesses and also about looking at how to merge passion, impact and profits in a sustainable way. For anyone who has any question, as I've said before, please do feel free to comment. We always look and monitor our social media and answer live or we get in touch with you directly. In the meantime, let's design a happy and productive workplace playgrounds together.